Welcome to the Nagra Sessions. I'm Catherine Black and I run CelloCourses.com. My guest today is a singer. Mark Beasley had a demanding international operatic career for 20 years and then has established himself and his studio here in East Sussex. He's also a choral trainer and conductor and recently he started to learn the cello. Hello, Mark. Welcome. Hello, Catherine. Thank you very much for having me along. <laughs> oh, it's thrilling for me. As a singer and actor, I feel that you're an empath. And that's such a core quality in needed in good teaching, I feel. And do you feel that your operatic work did prepare you and connect you to your future as an educator? Well, opera is very much a cooperative art form. You know, it's an ensemble um, art form. And, of course, as a singer, you're engaging with text and you're engaging with storytelling. Mm. And I think, from the point of view of being a teacher, you have got to um, be able to engage with other people and get other people to engage with text. Yes. And I'm always um, getting my pupils to imagine themselves as storytellers. Mm. And this has advantages as as to actually performance, obviously, at the obvious level. But also, um, as teachers, we are trying to get people to engage with technique all the time. Mm. particularly when the, if they're beginning uh, on an instrument. And that can become very demanding on a pupil, but also um, can actually tie them in knots. Yeah, yes. And you've got to find a way of actually turning off the um, internal critic all the time, that person mm. sitting on your shoulder saying, what did you put your finger there for on the cello? Or what did you make that noise for? Or why, why did you do that on that top note? Yeah. And I always say to my pupils, look, it's a process. But at the end of the day, if you try and adopt this persona of being a storyteller, and a storyteller is not going to start jabbering in your face and making very strange gestures and things like that, they're going to be quite calm want to engage you yes and hold you and hold you yeah. and there's a whole bit of zen that comes in there and that's what I feel when I sing so from the point of view are you saying how did my background as a, an opera singer as a performer well teaching is performance yeah absolutely being, being, a, being a choral conductor choral trainer it's a performance mm. and you're constantly improvising yes which is what you do when you're... Um, the best moments I've had on the operatic stage, you'll have the big stars flown in. You've been rehearsing all the time. They'll come. You won't even have a rehearsal with them. first time you'll meet them is on stage. You're improvising. And some of the best moments I've had with the big stars have been where I've been throwing something for, at them and they've been responding, reacting. And that's what it's about. That's what gives you the, the, the real thrill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's that 1% of the job that makes it all worthwhile. 
mm. you know, all the drudgery and boredom of rehearsal and what have you. Yes. Uh, if it's um, uh, that one percent on stage, and you think, yeah, that's why I'm there. Um, but in, the, in in as but as I was saying, as as a teacher, we 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 are constantly improvising. We're constantly mm. taking our cue from our pupil. We learn from our pupils. All the time, yeah. yeah. To teach is to learn, Absolutely. and that's why I love teaching because all it's such a privilege to be thinking about the cello or and music all day long. Yes, I love it. What it is a privilege, yeah. a total privilege. Mm. I constantly, I constantly pinch myself and think, actually, Mark, you spent your whole career earning your living from doing what you love. Yeah, having a good time. Yeah, having a yes. good time. Yeah, uh, it, it's not always been easy. No. Um, you know, and as an opera singer, very lots of lonely moments. You talk to any opera singer if, on the international circuit, um, such as there is these days. Um, you know, there's a lot of loneliness involved. You're mm. living out of a suitcase. You're living in poor digs, and you know, you've got the comradeship of your your um, fellow artists. But uh, at the end of the day, you're away from your family for months on end. Yeah. One of the reasons I stopped yeah uh, I got to a certain point and I thought that you know I've done this yes <laughs> and yeah. I want to pass it on now because yeah. I found I was I had a sort of um talent for doing that yes. really for passing yeah passing uh, passing on my my journey and my experience as a singer you said something very interesting to me a couple of months ago and that you said that you wanted to learn the cello. You made a conscious decision to make yourself vulnerable so you really understood your pupils. So you became a cello student. And I think that when we perform, teach, or just play in our practice, we do, a lot of the time, lay our souls on the line, don't we? And I was very impressed at your... Uh, what you said to me, it stayed with me. Yes. Well, that's, that's how I feel about... I mean, I've always loved the cello. I've always wanted to to play the cello. It's the closest to my voice. I'm a bass baritone, mm. so that, obviously that range, with a bit of falsetto at the top, uh, <laughs> is, is the range of the cello, you know, the yeah. bottom C up to whatever. Um, so I've always been attracted to the cello. Finding the right instrument, as you know, is hard. Finding the right bow is hard. Finding the instrument, the 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 the, the, the equipment that actually suits you. Yes. So that's not in the way. Yeah. There are no excuses. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so it's an instrument I I loved and I admired people who played it and I thought well. Okay, let's give this a go. And 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 for the first time in forty, fifty years, start learning an instrument that you you really don't know anything about. It's a big, big deal mm. on every level, mm. isn't it? It is. It yeah. is. It is. And what I because when I sing, I mean, I wish I knew when I was in my twenties what I know now and how I sing, because I'm probably singing better mm. than I've ever sung yeah. in my life, but that's yeah. normal, you'll hear yeah, yeah. any musician say that. Mm. Um, but that sort of balance and comfort I have with my voice, I don't even have to think about singing, I cannot do on the cello. Mm. And finding that level of relaxation and, and zen and 
balance and coordination on the cello is just a fascinating process. And it makes me understand why my pupils find it difficult to remember to relax the jaw, to engage the, the, the breath, address their posture. Posture's huge. Yeah. Absolutely huge mm. with singing. Mm. Um, just tiny changes. I had a pupil yesterday. Tiny changes in the, the width of, of, of their of feet, you know, how they stand, made an enormous effect. Get that B flat. Yeah. You know, yes. uh, um, when they did that, and they couldn't believe it. And I said, Well, you've just realigned yourself. Yeah. Um, I want to find that on a cello. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a constant journey, but, and also I think we have these lights on moments at different stages as we, because yes. we're, we never stop learning. No. And we're always integrating and reintegrating and trying to pare things down to what's needed and no more to create maximum range of mm. freedom of expression. Yeah, yeah. I'm particularly interested in how did you talked going back to the start of this conversation, you talked about how me being an opera singer, a storyteller or an actor informed my teaching. It's that process of transferring necessary technique into the personality of of the singer, the performer. I always say you you need to take on a persona mm. to be a singer. It's this. It, it's a bit of wish fulfilment. I want to be this person who can tell stories, yes. which is something I cannot do in my everyday life. Yeah. You know, you get some very shy people. A lot of performers are very shy mm. people. I think that's a re one of the reasons we do it. Yeah. So we can be somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. We can tell a story that we would not feel comfortable yes. telling, as, and you know, our, in our normal everyday personalities. Um, but it's it's that integration of technique and technical knowledge into and then once you've got that you do your exercises you've got to perform a piece and the technique goes and you think well how do we bridge that gap between technique and performance and I mean I have various ideas about that um, one of which is I say produce this personality this storyteller because often that actually draws all the techniques that you've been practicing into into one place mm. Mm. Which I, f I find in singing, I haven't found it in the cello yet. And that's fascinating. Yeah, but it's such such a huge subject, isn't it? Because we're constantly finding out how to use our bodies. We need to understand movement in order to create sound because sound follows movement. Yes. But this is very interesting. I mean, obviously as a singer, the the movements are... Largely internal. Yeah. Mm. Largely internal. If you see a singer waving their arms around, you know there's some... Unless, it, unless it's expressive. Yeah. You know you're in trouble. Mm. There's something going on. Yes. You need to address. Um, not all movement's wrong. And mm. you do need to be flexible and loose. Um, and I often... And this, this goes back to my performing career because I, I sang for a long time at the Royal Opera House and obviously at the Royal Opera House you have the Royal Ballet. And I used to watch dancers and how they use their bodies. And it's 
quite useful to incorporate some of the some of the classical dance mm. uh, movements into. I was doing it only yesterday with a pupil, and it made an enormous difference. And that might be quite interesting to try on the cello, actually. <laughs> Think about dance. Think well, about you already are, aren't you? Because your elbow is leading you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But we don't necessarily. We don't necessarily. Or, absolutely. Yeah. But we don't always necessarily think of it like that. No. We think of it as a set of movements. Yes. But you've got to get beyond that, haven't you? Yeah, I've I've always found that I've had seminal moments in my technique when I've seen someone move in a certain way. It too has been often a dancer, but also a cellist I was at college with. She now leads the cellos in the LSO. And she would just make a certain movement and clunk, something would fall into place. And I think musicians are possibly frequently going around watching and clocking movement. It's having your antennae out, isn't yes. it? It's developing that antennae in our pupils as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. Not getting them just to, well, mimicry is important, yeah. let's face it, but they've got to take on their own voice and their own personality. Absolutely, that's what we're always doing, isn't it? Mm. Helping people to access their true voice, mm. their true cello voice, mm. um, because ultimately I want someone to record themselves and we put various pupils' recordings together and pe each person knows that that is their sound. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. Mm. I mean, when I go to see an opera or, or see somebody perform, I don't want to hear technique. I, I can, I can, I can listen to you know very, very good singers, and I think, well, that's fantastic, that's wonderful. But you haven't spoken to me at all. Mm. It's perfect, mm. absolutely perfect. Yes. But you haven't spoken to me at all. I'd rather have a little bit of a technical imperfection and some storytelling. Yeah. And then we go back to my, one of my favourite subjects, the, the Bach cello suites, and we'd be discussing um, during our lessons um, various interpretations. Yes, yeah. And the one I particularly like is Pierre Fournier, and I've seen, because he seems to be having an internal conversation. Mm. And I so... I, I can... It's so, it just draws you in. And, and that's what we want. Yes, and it sounds as if he's writing it. Precisely. It's mm. improvised. It, yes. It, it's not reading a script. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's just magical. Yeah. It really is magical. This kind of draws my attention to what's going on in the musical press so much. Um, and it, it's the not very good state of music education at the moment the starving of resources and people like Paul McCreish and his Gabrielli Raw project goes out into schools to get people singing to sing is the most personally powerful and empowering thing I think you can do Absolutely. isn't it and it's an instrument we've all got and all and when we sing, everybody is listening to music. Music is everywhere. Mm. You can't escape mm. it. Um, and if children and young people were singing in a, in a creative, engaging way, they would, their learning 
is hugely affected. Yes, I think that there are very many, many studies that have proved this. Yeah. They were common in the 80s and 90s, weren't they? Showing mm. how your brain, a musician's brain, has 150% more memory. We have more memory. But of course, because you're memorising. You're, you're yeah. memorising words. Yeah. Yeah. We're all memorising movements and notes. And it's an astonishing thought that we could be affecting people's ability to learn, to expand, to wherever their particular path is. Well, we're not all going to be so profes- simply. We're not all going to be no, professional musicians. No. But you, you will have a hinterland. Yes. That you can, I, I say this to all, all my pupils. I say, doesn't matter what you go on and do with no. your singing. Keep singing. Yeah. And it'll be, it'll be your hinterland as you grow older. Yes. You'll join a choir. At, yeah. You might be in your forties or your fifties. You'll join a choir. And, but you will have some good technique. Yes. Because like the number the number of older pupils I have who sing with various local choirs, very good musicians, but mm. they said, oh, I wish I'd come, I'd come 40 years ago. Yeah. I wish I'd known this 40 years ago. Because, you know... Thank God they've come now, though. Well, precisely. Yeah. But um, I agree. I mean, particularly in the state sector, um, I, I find it quite distressing, particularly locally in East Sussex, that... There's a previous school near me, a school near me that previously had a very, very strong musical tradition, has none now, mm. and it produced some top musicians. Yeah, top musicians. Yes, but there's nothing now. And our generation came through the um, peripatetic music service. Yes, I mean, I, I remember after I left college, I went for an interview for the then GLA. GLA GLA, GLC music mm. team and the interviewer said do you realise that this system in this country is a model for Europe and I hadn't but mm. then looking back you think yes it created our generation of musicians yes. but before also, and since but not only musicians y- yes. the audience oh, yes, yes the <laughs> music lovers yes. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was just, it was very strange. And of course the music scene, when I was a teenager in the, in the 70s, was, I mean, I was very much into the, into, into the contemporary music at the time, Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple, yeah. um, um, Pink Floyd, um, King Crimson. Um, but there was quite a lot of what they called progressive rock. In the, mm. But it, it modelled itself on, on um, classical forms long forms music yeah you know pieces that lasted 20 minutes um which punk was a reaction against of course which mm-hmm. i was also very much yeah. into but there we go but that's what got me into classical music and i tell you exactly what got me into classical music i don't really remember a show on a saturday afternoon um by uh, on radio it would have been radio was it radio two or radio one um by, by alan freeman Alan Freeman. Alan Freeman. Blast from the past. Blast from the past. Yeah. But I, but he used to play all this progressive rock, which I, so I listened to it. Yeah. And all of a sudden he 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 would he would he would put these jingles in. I thought, oh, that sounds good. Be another jingle. Oh, that sounds really interesting. That's probably about fourteen. Yeah. At the time, so I went off and found out about it. I thought I quite like this. 
yes. as well. Yeah. <laughs> good music's good music. <laughs> yeah, yes. And I think there's been a very subtle, cynical, mm. and actually quite vile um, voice that has crept in to music that has made classical music. I hate the term classical. It, but yes, so do classical I. music it's, was what? From, it probably covered about 50 years. Yeah. Sort of Haydn, Mozart. Mm. You get to Schubert, you're sort of late classical, early romantic. Tick. Yeah. 50 years. It's not classical music, yeah. it's just music. But the conversation <laughs> has made it un, it's made it very difficult for people to um focus in a in a balanced way on on classical music for mm. lack of a better phrase mm, absolutely. because it's been politically damaged and labeled as being elitist complete nonsense mm. benjamin britten um was quite clear that when his when peter grimes went out it was going to go on t when it went on tour it was going to go and be received by ordinary, f f and again, for lack of a better word, people. Well, people hadn't been people, exposed. Yeah. People hadn't been exposed yeah. to that kind of music before. Yes. yes. Yeah. And and now, you know, it's it, over the last few years, people have from one party have rung up ENO saying, can we have a box but with a curtain across because we don't want to be seen there. Well, that's quite strange because people used to go to the opera to be yes, seen. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's a, it is a nonsense, isn't it? And it's so undermining of music generally. Well, it's all about accessibility, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I can accept that music made with more traditional instruments is less accessible than an electric guitar mm. or a computer. Yeah. I can accept that. So our job is to is to make it accessible, really. Yes. Um, yeah. And I do that in my music. And people, somebody, people come to me and say, "Oh, I want to sing pop music." Okay, fine. Mm. Right. Yeah. By by lesson three, and all my pupils will know this. What are you singing? Carol, me or Ben? Because <laughs> 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 it's such a good starter. Yes. Such a good starter. Yeah. But uh, by by the third lesson, they're all and they mm. love it. Mm. different language they can pretend they're serenading somebody yeah and then we start the acting thing and they go yes. as it so it goes so yeah. it goes but um yeah what 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 is the answer it needs to be made part of the core curriculum it well it's a total investment because it connects every subject yeah, maths to itself and to each other yeah yeah maths mm. english literature as you were saying earlier anatomy um, languages, languages, teamwork, yeah. yeah, discipline, and just the sheer benefit of both your discipline, your developing your concentration, and your work with other people, and the the sheer public connection that you have when you know when you go out and you join an orchestra, that is so vital too because people. In, see, it seems to me that in many ways people have got more locked away and to go out well, particularly and particularly since lockdown yes yeah, since literally. lockdown yeah yeah it's something that does need redressing I feel like we really do need a really 
long, hard look at what has been done to education because a syllabus is simply a creation, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yes, it's no, there's no natural law about it at no. all. It's, it's, okay, numeracy, literacy, very important. Yeah. But they're, they're not important in isolation. No. They're only important because, I mean, you need maths to do music. Yeah. I mean, a simple level, mm. you know, and you need to engage with counting. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Count like mad. Yes. As your old teacher used to <laughs> yeah. say. Yes. I've, 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 I've nicked that one. Yeah. Actually, Christopher used to say, Count like a lunatic. A lunatic. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's sort of the same thing. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. But, yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, let's hope for a renaissance quite soon. Mm. Mark, thank you so much for coming today. The next podcast in a month's time. Thank you very much. Thank you.